welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Hello and welcome to episode 232 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Super excited to have you with me. Today's topic is a really powerful one. I really think one of the biggest mistakes we make in our weight loss is we take things personally. So when things don't go the way we thought they should or the way diet culture has told us they should, we think we're just not able to do it or we're messing up. Instead, what is a much, much more powerful way of thinking about any place that you are currently struggling is that it's a skill gap. We have not been taught to think of weight loss as skills. We've been taught to think of it as, well, you just find the diet and you follow it. Why don't you just follow the diet, right? And then when we can't, and especially as physicians, when we're like, I know what healthy eating looks like and why can't I get myself to do it, we make it mean something about us. When in reality, when you boil it down, it's just simply skills that we are missing, that we were not taught, that actually medical school taught us the opposite. It taught us things that drive the eating rather than how to manage our own eating. And when you can bring it back to, I just need to learn this skill, I'm struggling here and that means this is a skill that I need to figure out. Man, it makes the journey so much easier. It really brings the anxiety and the stress and the blame and the guilt and the shame down like 10 notches just by focusing on what's the skill here. So today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about the six most essential skills that I see physicians needing to have success in their weight loss. These are the things that I have seen over and over again, um, working with physicians. Also, they're things that I've had to work on and learn these skills in my own life. And so I'm really hoping that this episode will give you some peace in your weight loss and help you see where the path is that you should be focusing on. Because just focusing on, I've got to stick to this diet, I need to like calorie count more or say no to food more is not going to be effective. And if it was going to be effective, it would have worked for you already. Because I can assume that you have already put a solid amount of mental energy into this. Because we work hard at things. And every single person I've ever met who comes to me for help with weight loss, and I mean this both physicians and also in my obesity medicine practice, has worked hard at figuring their weight out. It's just, we weren't taught to look in the right places. We were taught, okay, just try harder to stick to this diet. 
that's never going to be effective. Because think about this is the food is a symptom. The food and the overeating is often just a sign that there's a missing skill. The Your brain is trying to fix something with the food that it's right that the food feels good in the moment that you get that dopamine, you feel that like sense of relief, like, oh, that is so much better. But the problem is, is it doesn't last, right? So it's right that it helps briefly. But then minutes later, that same issue is still there. That same discomfort that it was trying to fix with the food is still there. So in this episode, thinking about it as skills-based learning, what we're looking for is the actual underlying issue that is creating the need to use food. So we're looking for what is my brain trying to fix with food and how can I learn a skill to help fix it in a more effective way than what food is able to. Now you'll notice in that conversation, there is nothing about, I'm just going to try not to eat and I'm not allowed to eat, right? It's a completely different conversation around food. And this is why it is so powerful. And this is what I do every day inside Thrive Academy is really what we are working on is I'm listening for what these missing skills are when a physician is telling me what they are struggling with. And then I can offer support and tools and techniques to help build the missing skill so that their brain just doesn't have to go to food so much. And all of these skills that I'm going to talk to you about today, I've created a really special bonus for the members of Thrive Academy. And it's not too late for you to get access to this. I have created a bonus called the Fresh Start Program that is a set of workshops, each workshop. So for each of these skills that I'm going to talk to you about today, I'm going to be teaching a full workshop with super powerful tools that will transform how these skills feel in the span of one session. So these aren't skills that you have to like work for years and years and years on. You can get really meaningful change in a short period of time when you know how to do it. And that's what I'm teaching you inside the Fresh Start program. It's springtime. I thought it would be a fantastic time to just offer a fresh start, a fresh look. If you decide to join Thrive Academy for Physicians, this is a fantastic time because right out of the gate, you're going to be getting skills and hitting the biggest challenges physicians face in their weight right off the bat so that you see change immediately. So if you are interested, if you want to find out more about the Fresh Start program, the path to do this is simple. You just go over to my website, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab and fill out an application form to work with me. You then will get an email from me inviting you to book a call for us to chat more. The reason why I use this application system is because it's really important that when you do decide to join Thrive Academy, you do it with confidence that this is the right program for you and you do it with excitement that this is going to create change. And by being able to talk to me about your specific issues, hearing my approaches to your specific issues through this application process, it really allows a personalized experience for you to make that decision if this program is the right program for you. There is no pressure. There is no obligation when you go through the application process. It's really about creating a conversation to help support you in your decision of whether or not this is the right program. So 
head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the work with me tab and fill out an application form. Thrive Academy for Physicians will literally change your life. It will change your eating. It will change your weight. But more importantly, it will change your experience of how those feel because of how we approach it from a skills-based process. All right, let's get into the topics today. So I used to 100% think that my weight issues were a personal defect. I blame myself for everything I felt I did wrong in my weight loss. And I'm sharing this because I know that there's a lot of you who probably do the same thing. And I thought when other people were more successful with their weight loss than I was, it just meant that there was something wrong with me. When I would lose weight and then regain it, there was something wrong with me. Learning how to see the skills that I need really, really changed my weight loss experience. And I did this before I even would have been able to put words to it of what I was doing. I think I would have called it like figuring it out. I need to figure out how to be on call and not eat all the snacks in the nurse's station. I need to figure out how to be post-call and not hit a drive-through as the first thing I do when I leave the hospital. All of these were actually skills that I was working on. I just identified them as, okay, I'm running into issues here. How do I figure this out? And when I started changing my mindset in that way, instead of just like, oh, I can't stop going through a drive-through post-call or even probably before that, what I would say to myself is, I just deserve to go through a drive-through because I've been up all night and I'm tired and I need some energy. Being able to shift into, okay, this is just something I need to figure out. How's this going to work for me? It really transformed my weight loss journey. And a big piece was that it wasn't just like, how do I do this at any cost? I really started to look at how can I do this where it'll feel good for me? I think Again, before I could put words into it in my own weight loss journey, I really started to realize I didn't want to do stuff that made me feel shitty. And so I started thinking, okay, how do I figure this out so it works for me? And I started to give myself permission to color a little bit outside the lines, which, you know what, as physicians, that's not easy for us, right? We are really into following the rules and doing what we have been told will work for us to succeed. But the problem here in weight loss, and this is why we struggle so much as physicians, is what we have been told will work for us is a pile of crap. That's called diet mentality, diet culture, and it just doesn't work. And yet we keep trying it over and over and over and over and over and over again, because that's the way we were taught to do it. Being successful long-term in your weight loss means you need to color outside the lines. You need to step away from that. And start approaching yourself where you're at with kindness, with compassion, and being curious about what is the skill that I need to focus on here. So let's talk about what these skills are. I'm going to go through them. First, I'll list them for you so you know what they are. And then I'm going to talk about each one in more detail about how that looks to build this skill with that focus on what experience do I want to get out of this at the same time. Number one, you do need to know how to deal with cravings. If you don't know how to deal with cravings, that will always be an Achilles heel because our brains will always create cravings. No matter how much you're doing the other work, you will experience cravings. Number two, you need to learn how to eat in a way that supports your body without it being somebody else's diet, where it meshes with your life so much that it doesn't feel like you're on a diet. 
Number three is you need to understand how to use goals and direct yourself in a way that feels good and helps you move forward rather than using goals against yourself. Number four, you need to learn the skill of managing overwhelm and comparison and noticing when you're in those and getting yourself out of them. Number five is transforming self-talk and body image discussions that you have in your head. Because a lot of what goes on in our head is pretty mean and not particularly helpful in your weight loss. And number six is then how do you cultivate motivation? And how do you cultivate motivation for the long haul? Not just for the next few weeks, but months and years. And all of these are possible, but let's talk about cravings. One of the biggest mistakes we make with cravings and we've been taught to do is we make ourselves wrong that we're having the craving. We make it where the fact that craving occurs means there's something wrong with us and we try to push it away. We make it mean that we should never have the craving. And so when a craving for a certain food shows up, we fight it, we wrestle it, we try to push it away. And all that does is it just makes the craving get louder and more intense and feel more urgent until at some point we're like, I'm just going to eat this just to get my brain to shut up about it. And I can tell you, I've done that so many times in my life where I didn't know how to manage the craving, especially with the Wendy's French fries thing that you guys have heard me talk about. I didn't know how to manage it. And my brain would get so focused on it that What felt like the easiest way was to just go eat it so I could stop thinking about it. Like the amount of energy that was going on there was exhausting. So one of the biggest things with cravings is to just let them be. It's a bit of a mindfulness approach, meaning it's okay to have a craving. You can experience a craving without doing anything to the craving. You don't have to push it away. You don't have to make it wrong. You can just let it be there and experience it. You can trust that you are able to experience a craving without acting on it. And the really interesting thing is when you start to take this approach, the intensity of the craving settles down, they last shorter, and they're just not as big of a deal. Now, here's the thing. In in the years that I've been doing this, that works. That tool really, really works and it really changes your cravings. However, it's often hard to use. That going from the, I'm fighting this craving, I'm just trying not to eat with this craving to, okay, I'm going to sit with it and relax into this craving, feels scary. And what I see over and over again is even knowing the skill and understanding how to use it, actually stepping in and doing so, it's a barrier. It's scary. And so often it's one of the last things people want to do. This this and learning how to feel feelings would be the two things where our brains avoid them at all costs. So just know that your brain probably will do that when you talk to it about sitting with cravings and really decide that you're going to do it anyways, set it up. There's lots of ways you can approach this as you could put yourself in a situation where you create a craving as an intentional practice where, you know, if there's a food that will create a craving for you, 
either you can sit there and think about it and practice just experiencing the craving, or you can put a little bowl of it in front of you and practice experiencing the craving, all with the discussion with yourself that you're going to sit there and this is good practice. Because if you do it and you just get some under your belt, it gets easier and easier to do. Now, I there are other tools and I can't really teach them in the podcast, but if you were one of the physicians who's lucky enough to join me in the habit zapping party, you've got a chance to practice some of the tools that really can actually transform how you, the craving feels. So these are tools I learned in a coaching program that I've been doing over the past three months, but they're really powerful in that you can actually just in the span of a few minutes, even rewire your brain on how it feels about the cravings. And that's the work we're going to be doing inside the craving workshop of the Fresh Start program of we are going to take your biggest cravings, the things you crave the most, the situations where you feel the most out of control, and we will rewire your brain around those. So when you leave that workshop, those cravings will feel way less intense or scary. And then it will be far more easy to just, if they do show up, just experience them. And like I said, those are just skills I can't teach you in the podcast format. But if you're interested, reach out to me fill in an application form. Okay, number two is how to eat without being on a diet. So I don't think it is ever sustainable to eat according to somebody else's food rules for the rest of your life. And I don't love food rules at all. I don't love, well, not even, I don't love is the wrong word. I I dislike any time where food becomes good or bad especially for us as physicians, because we are so high achieving and very perfectionistic tendencies. What happens is as soon as you're told, yeah, you can be successful, just don't eat this food. Just say no to this food. Or you can be successful, but you have to eat this way. As soon as that happens, we can follow it initially because we're good at following rules and we can be like, okay, great. I have the answers. I know what I need to do in order to lose weight. Fantastic. Thank you. However, at some point you will eat something that goes against those rules. And this is where the problem shows up because then you will make it mean that there's something wrong with you, that you've blown it, that you have failed. And that thinking will then trigger a slide of further eating. And it feels horrible. Again, if we come back to the idea of like, let's build these skills with the experience you want. So in general, the experience most physicians want is not to follow a diet for the rest of their lives. The experience most physicians want is, I want to feel comfortable around food. I want to have my brain feel quiet around food. And I want to choose the healthy options without a ton of drama. And if I do decide to eat something that I know is not particularly healthy or doesn't help with my weight loss, I want to be able to just get back to the healthy food. So how do you do that? Well, what I encourage you to do is honor the fact that you have a ton of knowledge related to diets and what will work for your body to eat because you have tried stuff. You have tried multiple things. And If you honor the fact that you have a lot of knowledge, you can start thinking about, okay, what has actually worked for me? What seems to work well for my body? Because that matters. Everybody's body responds differently to different ways of eating. 
We all have different genetics. But then what also works for my life and my preferences? What ways of eating did I actually enjoy? What ways of eating will fit into the realities of how I have to prepare food? Like if I'm preparing it for kids or I have a very short length of time to get meals prepared before work. All those things, they matter when you're deciding how you want to eat to lose weight. And then you can look at the flip side of that too, of looking at, okay, what hasn't worked for me? And it is okay to be like, that did not work for me and I'm not going to do that. In diet culture, we are often so attached to this idea that there's one right way to lose weight that we will come back to the things that we know did not work for us and did not feel good, but we'll come back to them because we think that they are the thing that will work, that will help us lose weight. But it will never help you lose weight long-term if it's something that doesn't feel good. So when you're deciding how you want to eat, yes, take input from the things where you've experienced in your life and You can take input both on the positive side of like, yeah, that actually worked. I liked that aspect of that diet that I followed. And you can also take it from the negative side of like, that did not work. And so I'm going to make sure I don't do that to myself because I deserve more than to just hang on to something that doesn't feel good in order to lose weight. And then you can start building a system for yourself. Now, inside Thrive Academy, I teach what's called the eating blueprint, where It's a system I originally developed for myself because I didn't want to record my food or want isn't a great word. I was not successful at regularly recording my food because I was always doing it on the run. I was juggling so many things in my life. And so I developed a way of thinking about my food that let me lose weight without always writing down what I was eating. I don't mean you should never write down what you eat. I think if it's a useful tool for you, absolutely do it. But this is a really good example of skill-based learning where there, I was like, okay, I noticed that I keep trying to record my food in these apps and I get a couple days in and then I can't do it. So how else can I approach this? And then I taught myself this skill, which I call the eating blueprint now of really just defining foods into categories of either I eat this on a regular basis. And if I'm eating out of that category, I'm supporting my weight loss. If I'm hungry, I don't have to worry how much I'm eating. I just focus on eating until satisfied. And then having other categories of eating foods sometimes where, you know, if I eat them a little bit, they're not going to impact my weight loss. And then occasional foods where those are the foods, if I eat them on a regular basis, they will impact my weight loss. So I choose to minimize them. But you'll notice in those categories, there's no, I'm never allowed to eat these foods. I really believe that we as adults, and it's not even a belief because this is true, we as adults, can eat whatever we want. Really, you can eat whatever you want. You can have chocolate cake every single meal for as long as you want. But here's the thing, we have reasons why we choose to eat some things and we choose to say no to others. And so in creating an ease with food, it's not about, I'm not allowed to eat this. It's about really working on why is it that I might not want to eat this food in this moment? What are my reasons that I actually really like and I can feel excited about and I can feel comfortable with? Why is it that I might want to choose this food over this one that feels really good for me? It's about the experience of those food choices rather than the rules about what you can and can't eat. 
So start contemplating that. Start contemplating what is the knowledge I already have about what works for my body and how can I use that for me? How can I structure my way of eating that's a me way of eating, not a, there's nobody else's rules attached to it. It's the way of eating that I decide work for me. You may notice your brain freaking out a little bit about this because we are so used to there being external rules. You also may notice what you write down if you if you're writing out how you're going to eat at first glance it might look like a diet and if you look at it and you're like oh, okay i hope i can follow that then just use that as a sign that it just needs to be modified that what that means is that some diet mentality some restriction got tucked in to how you were creating your own customized way of eating okay number 3 using goals for yourself not against yourself. It is so common to set a goal and then make yourself feel crappy about your goal. That's never how they're meant to be used. I think we tend in weight loss to view goals as these like really definitive lines that we have to get across. I like to think of them more in terms of a target. Like, so the goal is maybe what's the bullseye, but it's not about hitting a bullseye. It's about getting in the general area. So you set a goal and what that goal is, is it tells you where you're aiming, where you're headed. And then as you get closer, you have to modify and adjust. So, you know, if you're sitting there and you have a lot of weight to lose and you're like, okay, I need to lose 65 pounds and you set a number and then your brain's like, we are only successful if we ever get there. That's the only definition of success. But ask yourself, why wasn't it 66.3 pounds that I needed to lose? Or maybe it was 63.16 pounds that is actually going to be my definition of success, right? Like we tend, we choose the numbers, but the numbers are arbitrary. And so when we get overly attached to the numbers and we beat ourselves up about that number, I think it's really important to recognize we're beating ourselves up about something that's completely arbitrary that we made up. It was all made up. And so the way to do goals where they help you is number one, set goals not from a place of I'm broken, I'm lacking, I need to fix myself. That's a goal that will never feel good. Set it from a place of what do I want more of in my life? And you know what, when you start asking that question, maybe some of your goals are not going to be scale related. Often when I'm talking to physicians and we start talking about what is it that you really want in your life, it's not a number on the scale. It's how that's going to feel. It's how I want my body to feel, what activities I want to be able to do with ease, how I want to feel when I put on my clothes, the energy I want during my days. So really asking yourself when you're looking at goals, is a number goal what will serve you best? And maybe it is. But how can you talk to yourself about that number goal to make it a positive influence in your life, not something that you shame yourself with? Or is it helpful to either have non-number goals or do a number goal plus non-scale goals and have a combination of goals you're working on? I always personally found it most powerful to have goals related to my running. I've, what I learned a long time ago is I could get myself to do a lot of stuff for my running goals that I could not get myself to do for a pure scale goal. The numbers I find if all the only goal you have is a scale number, the numbers just don't hold that same meaning 
in a moment when you're making a decision of do I eat this or don't I? Do I get up early to work out or don't I? Just doing it for a number doesn't have the same power as doing it for a, an image I have of myself of crossing a finish line in with a time that I'm really happy about or this feeling of running a race and feeling like powerful and strong. I could always get myself to do, I can get myself to do a lot for a running goal that I can't do for a scale goal. And so as you're looking at how your brain approaches goals, that can be a really helpful thing is are skill goals things that really light me up? Do they work well for me? Or is there a different type of goal that I can focus on that has the same impact? So when I'm focused on a running goal, in order to be successful in my running goals, it means I need to be eating really healthy. It means I need to say no to crap because it will make me tired or it'll make me bonk during the long runs. So the outcome ends up being the same, but what I'm focusing on when I'm making those decisions isn't just, I need to say no to this because I want the scale to go down. It's, you know, I'm going to say no to this because I really want to make sure I feel good during that race. It's a different experience, but it has a similar outcome. And so really asking yourself, what are the things that work well for you? And there's no right answer. Just because mine are running does not mean you need to have running goals. It's more about being curious in your own brain and meeting your brain where it's at instead of just always trying to stick to the way you think your goals should look. Looking at how can I make this goal feel better? How can I talk to myself differently about this goal so that it continues to feel good? And how can I view the end point of that goal with flexibility so that I give myself permission as I get closer to refine it based on what's happening in my life, in my body? in my brain, how I feel as I get closer to that goal, instead of sticking to that really arbitrary number that you chose at the beginning. Number four is getting out of overwhelm in comparison. These are kind of a multiple level skill because number one, just life as a physician can be overwhelming. We have so many balls in the air that we're juggling constantly that it can be overwhelming. And when you throw in a weight loss ball that you're trying to juggle to, sometimes it feels like you can't keep them all in the air at the same time. So just life, like I need to get all of this work done. I need to get my notes done. I need to see all those patients who are sitting in that waiting room staring at me, or here's another phone call for yet another consult. That in its own right is overwhelming. And the problem with overwhelm is that when you are overwhelmed, generally you get a bit stuck. It usually leads to non-efficient patterns. We tend to slow down, become less efficient, maybe end up on our phone scrolling social media instead of doing the work that we told ourselves we need to do, that we're feeling overwhelmed about. It's all different ways our brain approaches it. And you can end up eating. So if you spend a day feeling overwhelmed, when you get home, you may find all of a sudden I'm out of control and I don't know why I'm snacking so much. And it's really just because you felt overwhelmed all day. Now, another place that overwhelm shows up is actually in your weight loss. So again, the experience of overwhelm generally is that you get stuck, you avoid, you don't really proceed forward with efficiency. When you're starting to lose weight, if you have a big goal or if you feel like everything needs to change, it's really easy to get overwhelmed. And the problem with that is then you pull away from what you are trying to work on for yourself. So learning the skill of identifying overwhelm and then getting yourself out of it is a really important skill, both in life to manage your eating, 
And then also when you're working on weight loss so that you see more success and the weight loss journey doesn't feel like you're wading through quicksand to get there. Comparison is really similar. Comparing ourselves to society's ideals, comparing ourselves to what we think we should be doing, our high high expectations for ourselves, comparing ourselves to other people, all results in a stress that can lead to further overeating. Or if you're comparing yourself in your weight loss and thinking, well, they're doing it better, I'm not so successful, it leads you to pull away. So having the skill of identifying when I'm comparing myself and when I'm in overwhelm and then learning how to step out of it is really, really important. And here's the thing is our brains are tricky. It's not going to say, hey, let's compare ourselves to everybody around us and make ourselves feel like crap. Hold on. We'll have fun with it. It does it a little sneaky and you might just notice you're just not feeling good. That you just feel like lower mood or you feel more anxious or you feel just like kind of sucking here. And what might actually be going on is your brain's just doing some comparison. And the comparison itself is totally normal. It's like evolutionary in that we want to belong. And so we're often comparing ourselves to make sure we're fitting in. So the fact that it exists is fine and you're not going to ever get rid of it, but you can identify it and step out of it. So for both overwhelm and comparison, the first step is identifying it. And I think one of the most helpful things is to look at, okay, how do I feel? Like, what are the signs that I'm in overwhelm? And I really find it helpful, especially if we're talking about identifying this stuff during a busy clinical day, because there's not a lot of like thinking space available for ourselves when we're getting through a day. I really like identifying where it physically you notice it. What is the physical sensation that you might be getting overwhelmed? And if you often you can identify that more easily than, okay, am I thinking about things that make myself feel overwhelmed? The same thing with comparison. How do I feel when I'm comparing myself to others? What does that feel like in my body? How would I know if I was doing that? How could I catch it earlier? These are all fantastic questions to ask. And then with overwhelming comparison, a lot of it has to do with how you think about it and recognizing, okay, what thoughts am I thinking that are leading me to feel overwhelmed? What thoughts am I thinking about myself that are leading me to feel this comparison? Or what am I comparing myself to? And then stepping back and being like, okay, but then how do I want to think in this situation? How do I want to feel? And again, this is going to be a whole workshop inside the Fresh Start program. So we'll have an hour of really working on practical strategies for this. But I think those are really good places for you to start right now of just how do I want to think about this? How do I want to feel? Is the way I'm currently thinking actually serving me? Is it going to help me if I continue to think this way? Often for these thought patterns that are so just kind of reflexive, like we just get into them really easily. Just questioning, is this actually helping me? Will this offer me benefit long-term? Is a big, like can create a lot of change for you and can help you start to shift out of it. Okay, number five, changing self-talk and body image. Okay, guys, real talk here. We as physicians are mean to ourselves. (laughs) And we're mean to ourselves. Yes, in body image, I think we often are, but we're mean to ourselves and have pretty negative self-talk 
in a lot of other areas, like parenting, right? Like we go through our days of working, seeing tons of patients, and then we judge ourselves that we weren't there enough for our kids and we're tired when we see our kids and other parents are doing more things with their kids. We judge ourselves about work and we focus on the interactions we feel didn't go well or the cases we haven't figured out. And we totally miss out on everything that went really well and all the people we helped and all the tricky things we did figure out. We judge ourselves about our bodies and how they look and what parts jiggle and what parts we feel shouldn't jiggle and what clothes we feel we should be allowed to wear for these jiggly parts. We judge ourselves in our relationships, in our personal relationships, judge ourselves in our professional relationships. We judge ourselves about not exercising. We judge ourselves about what we ate, what we shouldn't have eaten. We judge ourselves about how our house looks what clutter there is that we should have cleared up. There's so many aspects I could keep going on and on. And I think really for this skill, for the purposes of this podcast, if you just pay attention and create a little flag, you can give yourself every time you think something negative about yourself and just bring awareness to what portion of your thoughts are negative about yourself. Because these have emotional weight. When you spend your days feeling like you're not measuring up and so many women physicians spend their entire day feeling like they're not enough in any aspect of their life. And it's a complete shame because it misses the amazingness that is you because you are amazing. But when we go through our days like this, telling ourselves we're not measuring up, we're not doing enough, there's emotional weight to that. I feel it. I think over these past weeks, I've been doing similar because I've been feeling more burnt out. I've been feeling more anxious. And it's like this heaviness on my shoulders of just interpreting my world of where I'm not getting things done enough. And that word enough, I think, is really interesting in that who decides what's enough? And when you have a high achieving brain, if you're not really intentional with what is enough, there is no limit to that. Your brain is not going to do this on its own. This is a thought pattern that was created so that we achieved stuff, so that we got into medical school, we got into our training, and there will not be a point where your brain's like, oh, great, you did it, you got enough. There's no finish line unless you create it. So really the step to changing self-talk, changing body image is really catching it first, awareness. All these thoughts are optional. Everything, every standard we hold ourselves to essentially is optional. And recognizing that it's interpreted with this very high achieving mindset that we have and starting to question it. Same with body image. It's interpreted with this high achieving ideal that's been handed to us since we were kids of what a proper body looks like. And the reality is bodies look all different ways. We as physicians know this. We see bodies as part of our job. We see the range of them. Very few bodies fit that ideal of what we were told they should look. Most bodies have aspects that we probably don't like in our own body, like loose skin, stretch marks, jiggly parts, cellulite, which are normal parts of a woman's body. And so, again, this is a big topic. 
We could talk about body image for months because it's so deeply embedded. But just start right now by questioning. If this is a skill you feel you need to cultivate, just notice how you're talking to yourself and question, is this helping me? Is this true? Is this what I want to believe about myself? All right. And then the last skill, number six, is cultivating motivation. And not just motivation for let's get going, because that's usually we can cultivate that one. It's about how do you do it long term? How do you create motivation that keeps you going long term? Because the reality is you will need to stay motivated for your weight loss for the rest of your life. It is not you need to stay motivated until your goal, because once you've lost your weight, you have to keep doing what you've been doing to maintain it. Managing weight loss long term involves staying motivated enough to address issues when they come up and learn new skills and adapt and come back to the old skills that worked before that you may have forgotten. It's not a static process. Long term weight management, once you've lost your weight, is an ongoing process. And there's, don't get discouraged that, oh my gosh, it's going to be so much work. It's really about finding the ways where it feels really good to you. And that's why. I think coaching is so powerful and why I teach an experience focused way of losing weight is because if the experience is good, then it's easy to do long term. If you're panicking about how that's going to look, it's probably because you're thinking about how it feels to lose weight using a diet. So cultivating motivation, first of all, is recognizing sometimes you will not feel motivated and you need to take action anyways. You have to keep going. Just like sometimes we don't feel motivated to go to work. Lots of times. Sometimes we don't feel motivated to fold the laundry, and yet we do. I have never in my life felt motivated to do dishes, and yet we do them every day, right? There's all these things that we do without motivation. And so the idea that we have to be motivated in order to make healthy choices or to go exercise, I think is a thought error that gets in our way, and we can choose to let it go. Then for motivation, recognizing that there's different ways to motivate yourself. One is motivating yourself about what you want to move away from. And that might be like your tight jeans, might be, you know, sitting on an airplane and needing to ask for a belt extender. That's a really common one I hear where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I start to create change because I want to move away from that. But then there's motivating strategies that pull you forward. And that would be like my running ones that I've talked about. They're not about places I've been that I don't want to be anymore. They're about where do I want to go? What do I want to create? What could be possible of what I could do? They're more exciting. The problem with the ones of moving away is at some point, you'll pull away from that uncomfortable stimulus. The, your jeans, are, you're going to put them on and you're going to be like, oh, these feel pretty good. And if that's the only thing that you're motivating yourself with, then all of a sudden you don't have any motivation and you might find all of a sudden you're making food choices and the jeans start to get tight again. And it's not anything going wrong. It's just that you need a broader selection of motivation strategies. And so have it, yeah, you can start often things you want to move away from are a stronger motivator to start, but then really think about where do you want to go? What do you want to create? And as you hit things or get close to the things that you've moving towards, then you pick something else and you, what else do I want to create? Where else do I want to go? And I think this is why running has been so powerful for me because there's always something else I can do. I can run further. I can run, try and run faster. There's always another level I can push to 
and I get excited about my running. So it's motivating. For you, it might be different, but really think, what is it that I want? What is it that I want to create? What would get me excited to do this every day and keep working on it? And when you start to feel like you don't have motivation, ask yourself the question, what is it that I'm wanting to create right now? If you feel, if you go through a stretch where you don't have motivation, it might just be that you've kind of hit the things you were using to motivate yourself. And now you need to find new ones. Or maybe the ones, the old ones you use just don't have the same power anymore. They don't align with what you're wanting in your life anymore. So they don't give you motivation. It's okay. Motivation is not something that's a one and done. It's an ongoing cultivation as you go through your weight loss journey. All right, so we've covered the six essential skills for weight loss. Like I said, for each of these skills inside the brand new Fresh Start program, which is a bonus inside Thrive Academy, starting in April, second week of April, we will be doing a workshop for each one of these. And so make sure that you head over to weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca and click on the work with me tab and then fill out an application form if you want more help with these topics. But for now too, just when you are struggling, stop making it mean that you're doing something wrong and instead really focus on what is a skill I need to build. I gave you six big topics, but there may be other skills that you need to build. Try to shift your weight loss into a skill-based process. It's going to feel so much better than when you're just trying to stick to a diet. If you can look at things and be like, oh, it's just a missing skill, it feels so much better. We're good at developing skills. We have a lot of skills and we've learned a lot over the course of our lives. If you can boil your weight loss down to what skills do you need, you're going to have a lot more success and more importantly, it's going to feel better. All right. Have a fantastic day, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. We'll talk to you later. Bye.